you're wearing a $2,000 tuxedo that was made at Elizabeth Courtney Costumes. Welcome back to One Big Caper. I'm Felix, this is my partner Athena, and this is an unscripted show during which we share whatever comes to mind. It's uh, actually viewer and listener driven, so we want to hear from you any old time at hello at onebigcaper.com. This particular episode is another installment in our Pivotal Moments series. Uh, this is just kind of a, a little sideshow to One Big Caper, I suppose, uh, but still should have some uh, juicy bits, our signature, signature little extra something-something on our stories. These are stories about entertainers who are either trying to assimilate to suburban life or regular jobs, and uh, <laughs> and by regular we mean steady paycheck mostly, I think. But uh, you know, my my not work as stage. <laughs> not being on stage. My yeah. work as an entertainer, uh, the income is is pretty much like this. I'm working to level that out a little bit. Nevertheless, as a pivotal moment, these are not just unscripted, but uh, really not cued. We each come up for this particular series, we each come up with a moment in our own personal history that either changed things or kind of set the course for where we're going. Uh, and for that matter, I think a pivotal moment could be something that caused us to avoid something altogether. But uh, my story is not uh, such today. And I just came up with this. Um, I haven't given it a whole lot of thought, so forgive me for that. We okay. constantly talk with each other. We, we have these conversations, and one of the things that came up the other day was a quote I was remembering from Andy Warhol. And uh, that quote was published in uh, the Andy Warhol Diaries. This is a copy of that. If you don't know, I studied Andy Warhol for more than 10 years and have recently been working on writing my book about whatever it is I learned in my deep studies of Andy Warhol. So the quote, which I, I wasn't remembering exactly how it was worded, uh, but there's an experience in my life that it always reminds me of. And so what Andy said, and I, I got it out to, to read so that I don't get it incorrect. Uh, and again, this was just part of uh, something he said over the telephone that was all recorded by Pat Hackett, who published the diaries. Uh, but he said, and your own life, while it's happening to you, never has any atmosphere until it's a memory. And I've, I've given that some thought a time or two over the years. I certainly read it many years ago, but uh, there's, there's one place, and I wish it still existed, my grandmother, in her advanced age, um, when I was about, I want to say seven years old, uh, she was put in an assisted living facility. And that place was a time capsule from the 1930s. It, it, the smell of it, the look of it, I can, I can imagine all of that. And maybe when I was a kid, I didn't, I kind of recognized that it had an atmosphere about it. But in retrospect, man, that was really, it, it affected me. Uh, and it may have influenced my taste. I don't know, but I was very fond of this place and it really was a time capsule from the 1930s. Uh, everything about it, the furniture, the floor treatments, the ceiling, the every element of it was just 
protected for, you know, this would have been uh, in the 70s, so protected for mm. like 40 years probably. Yeah. So it wasn't that old. Now so, it would be considered ancient. Yeah, but it's like people now who have decor from the 80s, you know, with like floral wallpaper and stuff. And that's like back. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> Somehow. Horrible. I, it's horrifying that anybody would have that. Yeah, um, but that was 40 years ago. That was 40 years ago? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's unpleasant to think about. Uh, anyway, so that, that's kind of pivotal. Uh, it certainly is a memory that has a whole lot of atmosphere now. I mean, uh, c- cigarettes were still indoors, and so that was part of this <laughs> this ambience. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, populated by elderly people who probably didn't see it as all that foreign a, a landscape, you know, um, it didn't, to them, probably look as much like a time capsule uh, oh. as it did to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it was, it's likely that that was very uh, informative as to what my tastes were, at least for my character work and, mm-hmm. and my set for my shows and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so I would say that that's kind of a pivotal memory. But the juicy bit to go along with that is probably more pivotal and informative and uh, important in my history. And that is that at seven years old, uh, we were uh, visiting my grandmother frequently. The, the facility was not far from where we lived, so it was easy for us to, to visit her with some frequency. And uh, on one occasion, I brought along a gift that my father had given me uh, and took it to the facility and entertained people for hours with this marionette. I was seven years old, so uh, this seems like the strings were longer at the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was a smaller person. So I, I entertained people for hours with this silly little marionette, um, and I had an audience, and they loved it, and they asked me to bring it back when, when I was going to go back. So I was getting uh, gifts and, and whatnot, so that tips, not money, but tips nonetheless... Uh, from other residents at the facility because I would go entertain them with my silly marionette. So that was kind of my first gig. Huh. And I was seven. Seven. Yeah. Hmm. That's my story. Wow. And I'll bet you have one. So my pivotal moment, I had a couple in mind, and I was going to just see what you decided to talk about. Okay. And I this this one is just... A favorite of mine so uh, I'm gonna talk about costuming okay so there's like two parts to this it was like a graduation of appreciation for construction and yeah so when I was growing up I I started on stage when I was three years old in the little recital every whatever May or June and you know wearing our little uh, costumes that we bought out of the costume catalogs. So every dance studio at the time, I don't know if it's still done this way, they're probably made, but um, the costumes were pre-designed and they were like, okay, this is going to be for this number and this number. So my mom literally would go through the entire schedule and costume with the teachers, the teachers of the other classes, what those kids were going to wear. And then everyone would have to buy their costume, thirty to a hundred dollars, 
for each member. So it was always bought. I don't remember the names of the companies, but then when my dad started the costume shop, it was Ruby's. Mm-hmm. And Ruby's is still around. Mm-hmm. You can still buy Ruby's even on Amazon. And so we got the, our pick of those costumes. And it wasn't until I think I was I was on point. So I must have been 11 or 12 years old. And I got my first two, two. <laughs> and it was actually made for me. It had the full like bodice with the hooks and, you know, it wasn't like the flat tutus. It was more like, um, yeah, the person they had make it, I don't even know who it was, but it wasn't like the best, but it was made for me. You know, I got measured and then that started off this whole period where other people were making costumes for us. And then we, they would set the rhinestones with the little prongs Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. And so that moved into, uh, when I was about 14, I was in the Nutcracker and this company bought a bunch of costumes from the San Diego Ballet or California Ballet is what it was called in San Diego. And they bought the whole set of uh, Nutcracker costumes and the ballet mistress, who was also the principal dancer, she started uh, making the costumes better, kind of like they do in burlesque. They buy something that's already made and then they embellish it. They embellish the crap out of it and make it look better. So that's kind of what she did. And it wasn't until uh, I was, and I was 14 years old. This is really funny. I was in love with this Russian, he actually was Ukrainian dancer that they brought in to be the prince, the Nutcracker. And they brought him in and one day, like they had, they had to do a repair on his tunic thing. And they, they let me do it. They let me sew and I took like the greatest care sewing the stitches exactly like one millimeter apart <laughs> all the way down the back. Like, cause she had altered it to him and she won. She was like, I don't have time for this. So she had me do it. Um, <laughs> but that kind of was like a pivotal moment for me because I realized that I could make things too. Like I had already, I was already making stuff. Like I make, made my first, this is a juicy bit. I made my first craft accessory project um I made my own slippers and I made them out of terry cloth and paper towels Mm. (laughs) they were literally just had the band across and I traced my foot and I just figured it out and this was way before the internet so like and I I think I glued them or so I don't even remember my mom probably still has them but that was like um like a major pivotal moment for me because all of a sudden costumes were not just pictures in a catalog that you order and then they look okay they were actually custom made for you so fast forward to when I get into Jubilee and I'm in the show where all of the costumes are designed by Pete Menifee and Bob Mackey and they're like 10 to you know $30,000 costumes each mm-hmm. you're wearing a $2,000 tuxedo that was made at Elizabeth Courtney Costumes And it's custom fit to you. (laughs) And that like changed how I shop now. Like what I keep in my closet when I thrift, it changed everything. So that was like, that's the two parts. Like one that I had this appreciation for things being made for you. So everything was was bespoke costumes. Then 
later on, these were designer costumes, major designer costumes. And then that pretty much set the tone for my, <laughs> my whole wardrobe. And I'm really picky about what I put on my body anymore. So that, that's, that's a pivotal moment. It was, uh, when we went from costume catalog costumes to made for us. And costumes back then uh, were very different than they are now. Lyrical dresses and, st and such started then, but um, everything was spandex and Georgette skirts pretty much at that time. It was early or late 80s, early 90s. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's uh, the When it comes to costuming uh, <laughs> or wardrobe for. Uh, for work or, or whatever, fit is everything. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. <clears throat> fit is everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, that was one of the things is that everyone had their own costume. If you were an understudy and you had to go into the principal spot, it sucked because that costume didn't fit you. It was fit to that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like the swings, I heard uh, a certain swing couldn't wear uh, one of the ladies that I interviewed. She couldn't wear her costume because that girl was like a twig and the other one was more curvy bigger mm -hmm. woman so she <laughs> they they ended up making their own the swings their own color costumes so yeah that's a little jubilee trivia <laughs> well, but yeah yeah i mean that was the one one of the, the lovely things about pete menifee is that he one he made sure all the swings had their own costumes because he had a bad experience as a performer yeah he, he as a dancer it, it changed the rules for him so oh, he, yeah as a performer, uh, Pete Menifee became the designer, but he became the most valuable designer yes. because he knew, knew what it was like to have to perform in these costumes and how restrictive some costumes could be, yeah. and, and uh, he fixed Brilliant. all that. Brilliant, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Like, he has amazing stories, and you can hear some of them on the Showgirls Life podcast. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, there's he's on podcasts all over. About we'll, all we'll get you another link to uh, one of... Athena's interview episodes with Pete Menifee. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, we thank you. Get a hold of us any old time. We will uh, love to continue to do this. We'll be back around for another pivotal moment, but uh, we're going to dig into some, some juicier episodes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.